0: In the Finley Toyota Studio. It's Cofield and Company.
1: Rogers now in the shotgun. Dylan to his left. Jones to his right. Now Jones motions wide to the left. Quick toss. Jones left side gets a block from Watson. Cuts it back. Ends up, touchdown. It's
0: time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: All right, here we go. On to Tuesday, Cofield and Company. Steve Cofield, Ari's running things here at the Finley Toyota Studios. Adam Candy alongside. Much to get to. Uh, Monday Night Football last night. Rams are the Rams right now in Baker Mayfield. A little shine wears, uh, wears off the his image as that was not a good game, and the Packers stay in the playoff hunt. A lot of playoff talk tonight as there's uh, some dreaming being done, including here in Las Vegas. Adam Candy is the company today. Candy, how you doing, buddy?
1: Oh, I'm doing about as well as Aaron Rodgers, so I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling smug, I'm feeling vindicated, I'm feeling ready to party. Nice,
2: very nice. I haven't seen you in so long. We haven't talked in so long. I don't know that we ever did a show during the World Cup. If we did, we didn't talk much about it. But now it's over, and uh, Messi outduels the French. And I saw you uh, notice some big news today. This is a weird one. You got to explain this. Is a uh, Messi broke a record on Instagram?
1: Yeah, and as you guys know, I am pretty much the king of social media when it comes to Cofield and company. And so I I saw this and I thought, well, i got to be the one to point it out. Uh, The previous record for the most liked post on Instagram was a picture of a brown egg under world underscore record underscore egg. Uh, It has 5 million followers, but it has 57.4 million likes. And let's be honest, who doesn't like eggs? Uh, The messy post? Messy? On his account, with the World Cup trophy, 66.3 million likes. That's just how good Lionel Messi is. And let's be honest, even if you didn't like soccer, you liked that game. You had to like that game. And if you don't like that game, you don't like sports in the first place. So I'm assuming Ari is the only one who didn't like that game.
2: I don't get the egg end of it. What was that post?
1: It's an egg. And it's an egg that the world has united behind. It's a good egg. It's an egg that has 55... Mi- you know what? You're not going to get this. You know how You know they say that there are certain sounds that only teenagers can hear because we get old enough that the pitch gets to a point that guys like you and me just can't hear it anymore? That's pretty much what we're dealing with here. That's pretty much it. I think, I think you're just out of the age range to appreciate the egg.
2: I think I am. Can we go with the good egg angle?
1: Oh, yeah, it's a good egg. It's a really okay. good egg. It's a great egg. Lionel Messi apparently is, a, is the best egg. Okay. <laughs> this is why you haven't seen me for so long, because I come on and talk about eggs.
2: No, 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 no. You haven't been banned. It's been just a scheduling deal. I've been egg banned.
1: You've been... You've I have been egg banned.
2: You Actually, you should tell the audience what you have been doing. You've been officiating a lot.
1: I, I do that. I, I do that from time to time. Yeah, uh, we. I know that uh, people on here probably don't, feel very warm and fuzzy about the referees especially after Sunday night football and uh, what happened with the Giants and Commanders but yeah it's basketball season man I have a I've had the whistle in my mouth and a song in my heart
2: (laughs) (laughs) a song in my heart all right so let's stick with a good egg theme and let's talk biggest sports in the world we just mentioned soccer and how big the world cup was and you know much of the United States was uh well, at least Pacific time zone was up early. You didn't all have to be up early if you're listening on the web and you live in the Midwest. Like our buddy Brady, who for some reason moved to Milwaukee, one of our P1 listeners. F1 is, from a money standpoint, even bigger than soccer. And we're getting it. And, you know, it's funny, Candy. Last week I got to uh, do a 2022 rap, like a Vegas rap on 2022 and the Biggest Stories and they wanted the three biggest stories in Vegas in sports. And F1 coming here along with the NCAA opening its doors, embracing Vegas more, are some of the biggest stories of 2022. You sent over a really interesting story that kind of felt FIFA like from F1. Now, it, it, it's not going to affect Vegas right now, but you want to explain this one with a. Uh, with F1 and we saw FIFA when it came down to it, they got all these promises from Qatar and Qatar was going to do what Qatar was going to do the entire time, whatever it wanted to do. And is F1, I don't think it's Qatari like, but does F1 have some issues?
1: Oh yeah. F1 has some issues. It, I, I was one of those who look, I'm not that interested in auto racing. I'm not that interested in F1 and I can hear John Von Tobel saying, Oh, you don't care about anything. No, I just don't really know anything about it. Uh, but I was excited about the idea of the race. It's a cool thing for vase, sort of thing that you've never seen before, really, on this scale. Uh, then I got a little bit less excited today when I saw that Formula One's governing body uh, decided to ban, quote, unapproved political statements at races. Uh, Lewis Hamilton has had a Black Lives Matter shirt. There's been a Arrest the Cops Who Killed Breonna Taylor shirt. Uh, some have worn shirts in support of gay and lesbian Rights And so the, the new rule from the governing body of F1 forbids, quote, the general making of display of political, religious and personal statements or comments, notably in violation of the general principle of neutrality promoted by the FIA. Uh, I don't know about you, Cofield, but <laughs> that statement is so out there that I think Roger Goodell's even going like, whoa, 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 easy. <laughs> we don't want to go that far, do we? Read it again. One more time on what you're getting from the governing body of F1, forbidding the general making and display of political, religious, and personal statements or comments, notably in violation of the general principle of neutrality promoted by the FIA, which is the governing body. <laughs> the
2: general principle of neutrality. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah, we're neutral. Listen, listen, we're neutral. We think that we we think there are very fine people on both sides of these discussions.
2: Well I was actually I was thinking of a t-shirt. If Lewis Hamilton wore a t-shirt to Las Vegas that said Nazis suck. Whoa. Whoa, hey! We're neutral neutral on on Nazis. Huh? Let's stay neutral on Nazis. Whoa, Nazis buy sneakers too. Okay. Stick to sports, everybody. Stick to sports. Now I know you don't know a ton of F one, but I do know Lewis Hamilton is one of the highest paid athletes in the world, I know there's some other stars have actually emerged and moved a little uh, past him in F1. What would happen if he did it? And they were like, okay, you can't race. I, I, I wonder if there's going to be a point where there's an athlete so powerful where he's like, yeah, there's no rules for me. So you can have me with what I want to do or you can't have me.
1: I mean, it's pretty much LeBron with the NBA, isn't it? Yeah, like, like like LeBron can pretty much tell Adam Silver, "Yeah, I don't care. Like we're we're going to wear any shirt we want to pregame warmups." And it was, I believe, it was uh, was it LeBron's Cavs with the "I can't breathe" shirts uh, after Eric Garner. So, I, I really do think that, that a guy like LeBron can pretty much pull whatever he wants in the NBA. I'm not sure there's another star right now in any sport, especially not in the NFL, where really? we know the power the owners have.
2: If the NFL tried this with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or, most importantly, Patrick Mahomes, you think they'd leave him sidelined for
1: weeks and weeks and weeks? Sidelined for weeks and weeks? No, no. But I think that the discipline would be made clear. and. We've seen it we've seen that no one is bigger than the shield, right? We don't hear that with the NBA. We don't hear no one's bigger than Jerry West. No one's bigger than the logo. But we hear it all the time in the NFL. No one's bigger than the shield. And when the shield needs to come together to make sure that something happens, it usually does a whole lot better than any other league.
2: And I would love to see the NFL. You just said the discipline, if it's not if it's not sidelining Patrick Mahomes, what? finding him and then if Patrick Mahomes is like, "Yeah, I won't play if I'm getting fined."
1: How often do we see it with the cleats, right? They co-opted it. They co-opted it with the cleats. Like, guys wanted to make statements with the cleats, and now it's my cleats, my cause. You have one day a year. You got one week one day where a you year. can wear your own cleats. Right.
2: So can I dream? Can I dream of a world where people can uh, yeah, make statements and not be bullied by mega-rich organizations? Can I dream... Of the Raiders keeping this playoff life alive, even though it's really not the best thing for the organization, but keeping the playoff dream alive for our entertainment, because I was really hoping uh, before the debacle in L.A. with Baker and the Rams that we were going to get a run all the way up until the end of the season, and that Chiefs game would mean something, and the Raiders would have a chance at a miracle comeback to get to the playoffs. Have you seen the latest scenario? Can I keep dreaming? The Raiders' latest playoff scenario is they need the Chargers or the Dolphins to lose two of their final three games, one or the other. I've looked at the schedules. The Chargers, if the Chargers can't win two of their last three games, then this is it for Staley and Lombardi. Uh, But it's entirely possible that the Chargers could lose two of the last three. I thought all along, when the Dolphins were sitting at eight and three and even eight and four, that their schedule down the stretch was a freaking bear. One of those teams can lose two of their last three, the Chargers or the Dolphins, right, Candy?
1: Oh, they can! I think the Dolphins just came through the absolute meat grinder part of their schedule, right? Nothing's going to get harder for the Dolphins than what they just did over the last three weeks with the back-to-back games in California, playing and then playing the Niners and then the Bills in the snow. Like that part alone means that I think the Dolphins have survived what they absolutely had to survive, and now you see them go pack Patriots, Jets, Uh, they're. They're going to be favored to win in, in all of those games. So that's, I guess, within the realm of possibility. Uh, the Chargers, on the other hand, look, this. we know that this Chargers team is capable of quite literally anything. And when I say anything, I mean anything terrible. That being said, Colts, Rams, Broncos, those are games they should win.
2: Let's say it happens. Okay. Then all the Raiders need to do, and of course, Raiders have to win out. So that's the first thing. they got to take care of their own business, and in all likelihood the uh, the Chiefs and the Niners won't have anything clinched going into their games, so they'll still be playing for something, playoff positioning. Uh, Beyond that, the Raiders went out. They get a break from the Chargers or the Dolphins. Then they need the Patriots, the Jets, or the Jaguars just have to lose one of their final three games. There is life here. Even though you kind of squelched it
1: with the Dolphins, there is life here. Okay, but it's not or with three, four, five. It's all. That's with a good three, point. Three, four, five. Right? Okay, so so they
2: they yeah. all have to lose a game,
1: right? So that, that'll yeah. happen. And and of course, <laughs> well, Jets and Jags play, so that you're guaranteed to get one of them. Then you need one of those teams to uh, the you need the winner of that game to then lose a game. And then you need the Patriots to lose one of their last three, which, again, is well within the range of possibility. However, the most unlikely part is the part you did not mention, Steve Gofield. <laughs> I did. Did you mention that the Raiders yes. need to not only win this week on the road in Pittsburgh, but they also need to beat the Niners right. and the Chiefs in the last two weeks? They're home games! Mm.
2: It'll be a raucous environment in favor of, well, maybe the Niners and the Chiefs. That's the problem, too. <laughs> <laughs> How can the Raiders keep Niners and Chiefs fans out. They can't and I don't think they want to. From a the organization may say we're displeased, but there's nothing like getting that money. You know what the, the You know what the money is going to be that pours into this market and into the Raiders' pockets with Niners and Chiefs fans coming to town with something on the line.
1: Uh, by the way, Niners on New Year's Day Half the Bay Area, including all of the Oakland Raiders fans, have probably had their schedule and their tickets set to come down for New Year's in Vegas. Yeah, and they will—I think—believe that's a one o'clock start. They will wake up at twelve forty-five and roll into that stadium after partying on New Year's Eve. Yeah,
2: Uh, trust me, not everyone in San Francisco has their tickets and their trip planned because I've had some requests from outside the market uh, within like the last month, and I'm like, bruh. I got nothing for you. Not you know, not even free tickets. Like, hey, I want to buy something that's not not outrageous. That ship said, like the when the schedule came out in May, you needed to be on
1: that. No question about it. And by the way, you said talk about the money that's going to be in the Raiders' pockets. I, I will remind everyone once more. First of all, we heard all those glowing stories in the last couple of weeks about Allegiant Stadium being the highest uh, grossing stadium in the country, right? Yeah. Because that's how the math of all of this was set up for the Raiders to succeed, Mm -hmm. was for fans from out of the market to be coming. And Chiefs fans? Chiefs fans who've been looking to celebrate this team and love beating the Raiders? Yeah, they'll be there too.
0: The big day is this Friday. Cofield and Company's Festivus. Compile your list of complaints now. Now, back to Cofield and Company. That ending in that game
3: perfectly encapsulates what's wrong with new england and what they are now for 20 years they were the smartest team today that was the dumbest play i've ever seen belichick and new england fell in love with themselves and their culture
2: on the way back from over on fox sports las vegas We'll have a little more from Colin on the uh, disastrous play that went down for the Patriots. Still pretty hard to shake. Still pretty hard to shake. Uh, If you're a Raiders fan, it was great. If you're a Patriots fan, you're like, what has happened to this organization? It's a complete mess. My bigger concern, Adam Candy, is that almost every play that has gone down in NFL history as one of the all-time plays has a name. And I still haven't seen a name that sticks have you seen anything that really sticks for what the Patriots did to themselves and how the Raiders took advantage of it with Chandler Jones going in for a game-winning fumble return touchdown with zeros on the clock
1: nothing at all but I also believe that all of us as a collective football watching populace are all still kind of shaking our heads saying wait that happened right like I think we're all still kind of figuring out what 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 was that right so uh, what I don't understand, Steve, is why we haven't. Are there just not enough East Coasters among us to focus on the Jacobian and Myers aspect? I, of you know, this?
2: What's, you know, it's funny. I mentioned that yesterday. By okay. the way, uh, Jacobian Myers is actually in L.A. as well. I didn't know that. Oh, but, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. I, uh, I, 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 like you. I grew up in the uh, New Jersey, New York area, so it was a big law firm there that advertised a lot. I don't know how big it was, but it certainly advertised a lot and had a a presence, but. Uh, well, well, I guess if it's if there's a negative angle to it, that probably wouldn't be good for that law firm. Fair. I feel like uh, some of the names that like the local papers come up with was like I thought Grainy his headline was something like Loopy Lateral or Adam was pushing Adam Hill was pushing Lateral Damage and I'm like, no, yeah. I, I think it has to doesn't have to be connected directly to Vegas or the Raiders or Belichick.
1: Mmm, boy, it'd be a lot more fun if we connected it back to Belichick, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, I could live with that. Loopy, no. Listen, no loopy lateral, no lateral, no, no. no, no lateral damage. Come on. Uh,
2: the, I someone messaged it, 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 me today it, it, on Twitter and said, "Eisen was going with one that I saw all over the web yesterday on Twitter." Hail moron! But it really wasn't a uh, hail come Mary. On. They... Or failed Mary or fail Mary. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a hail Mary.
1: No, it, 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 all of the folks who are out there talking about how, oh my God, it's the dumbest play you've ever seen. <laughs> and then blaming it on Belichick. And then blaming it on, oh, the Patriots. Come on, Colin Coward. They're falling in love with themselves. In any given week, Bill Belichick can prepare for hundreds of things that might happen in a game. One of them is not. One of his players firing the ball 25 yards backward in the air in its high game in the hopes of God only knows what. So, no, I as much as we love to crap on Belichick for legitimate reasons, you cannot get on Belichick for this. I, I'm going to need more time to come up with an appropriate name, though. I, I don't feel like we've had, what, this is all just about 48 hours, right, so far? Or are you better than that, Cofield? Do you have something you like? Yes, I'm not letting
2: Belichick and Patricia off the hook because it's not just the play. It's what Hurd was getting at. It's this season. And it's the setup of, hey, I'm going to show you, I'm not going to name an offense coordinator. And as Mr. Hill was explaining yesterday, maybe that was all just his big ruse to screw over the Lions so Matt Patricia would get his money. So if you don't name the O.C., you can still get some of his buyout money from his disastrous head coaching stint. With the Lions, so let's find a way to screw the Lions. No, it's this that play is a microcosm of a team that has had no clue offensively. So I am, I am sticking Belichick with it. My, I, I brought up one yesterday, and unfortunately, people aren't old enough or mature enough to deal with it. I talked about Merkel's boner, right from
1: baseball. Wow, yeah. a Fred Merkel reference. I sure. was not expecting that.
2: Belichick's boner, but both guys on the show were like, oh, oh like okay. All right, we don't want to do that one. How about
1: the Kill Bill? How do you want to go with Kill Bill? Well, you're trying the play. Killed Bill, according to you. Okay, according to you, Belichick. Belichick's dead now. the the, the Belichick dream has died. Now, the the idea of Patricia and Belichick and oh, they got too smart for themselves. I'll, I'll answer it with one question: Was Keelan Cole inbounds?
2: Absolutely, one hundred percent. I could see
1: it. He was not. <laughs> he was not in bounds. He was in. We've seen a million he different close up. We've seen thank God he wore black shoes because we've seen a million different shots of the close up on black shoes on black end zone. He was out of bounds. And if Keelan Cole was out of bounds, then Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick were plenty damn smart because the games never even tied in the first place. Come on, guys.
2: You make your choice. Belichick's boner. Belichick's <laughs> Belichick's blunder, Belichick's bungle, Belichick's blooper.
1: Jacobian Criers. <laughs> 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 I'm not letting this go. I all I remember as a kid on the East I know, Coast. I know all I remember as seeing those ads a million times, and all I wanted as a child was for Brooke Jacoby and Randy Myers to end up on the same baseball team, so that we oh could God. have Jacobian and My- that. Th- that's what this is who I am. This is what made yes. me who what everything that I'm is wrong with me today.
2: Yes. The the random law firm mentioned and then mix in the random. Was he a third baseman for the uh the in, for the engines? Yep. Brooke Jacoby. Brooke Jacoby, baby, and Randy Myers. Unreal. Um let me stick on the theme of my guy, Cowherd, and The Belichick blunder, the Belichick bashing, the Belichick bungle, the Belichick blooper. This all started before the season.
3: Brady saw it and got the hell out of there. New England now has family on the staff, defensive coordinators, the offensive coordinator. No big deal. It's just football, right? And they write books about this team. Hard to see it coming. Smartest coach, greatest quarterback. But when you fall in love with your own soup. When you think you got it all figured out, the arrogance, so palpable.
2: Yep, and it all came to a head, the arrogance, so palpable. We'll hit this later on because uh, others are noticing how ridiculous it was. If you watched on the sideline, I mean, the guy you really want to blame for lack of preparedness and crappy offense all year is Matt Patricia, but you know, 15 or 20 years from now, no one is going to know who Patricia is, so we got to tag it on Belichick.
0: Are you ready to air your ESPN Las Vegas grievances? Festivus comes this Friday on Cofield and Company.
1: Baker, please. We took Higby for an anytime touchdown. He hasn't scored all year. It was like plus 500. Come on. Mayfield, Anzal,
2: pass caught, touchdown. That's Higby. And his first of the year. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Higby,
1: Higby. Higby. It beats first <laughs> touchdown of the year! Hanukiya! Hanukia! Hanukia, Chanukia, Se <laughs> I light the candles with people who love me
0: He lights the candles with this whole family Sharing
3: the joy of
0: a proud history Se <laughs> Vivo, Sof, Sof, sof. More Suvganiyo More Latkes, No! Please, more <laughs> Suvganiyo!
1: All right,
2: rolling on. That's a nice Hanukkah gift, just like Horowitz said, of the uh, Raiders' victory on Sunday. There you go. Uh, <laughs> that is one of my favorite guys. Everyone else on the show hates that dude. It's some McHugh guy who just screams about plays on social media, on TikTok. Have you ever seen him before, or heard him before? I'm not even sure if you're a TikTok guy.
1: I, I downloaded the app back when the former president said he was going to ban it just on principle, <laughs> but I've never opened it. Okay.
2: So that is a lot of the content now, at least when you look up sports, mm. is people just screaming about bets and oh, giving out that's great. bad plays. Oh. Um, while we will step on our pedestal and point down and go, that is just horrific content, uh, that one there appears. Oh, well, I'm looking at the wrong one. I was looking at a Colts post. Well, anyway, the Colts post happened to have 420,000 likes. Mm. Okay, so... Anyway, that's what we got going on on social media. The new social media, my old friend.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um that's that's fantastic. There's <laughs> nothing there's nothing that I would rather do on a Sunday than go over, let's say, to the Westgate Superbook and just stand in front of people's chairs uh, and listen to them scream at me about their yes, bets. Yes. Because that's basically what this is. And now it's
2: on social media. I, and I and I um I overdid it. That one only has 33,000 likes, not 400,000. It, it just it was just up the other day, so
1: I don't have thirty three thousand likes in like my Twitter career, so good for them.
2: <laughs> is uh plus four eighty for a touchdown anytime touchdown on a guy who hadn't scored a touchdown all year? Is that, is that a pretty good, a pretty good odds? It's, uh, it's all right. It's not great.
1: <laughs> uh, it's it, what it is is the Rams' offense, right? Like yeah. who's going to catch touchdown on the Rams' offense? It's amazing, totally amazing. All right, so
2: Wednesday is upon us and it's signing day, and this used to be in college football. This used to be. One of two massive days. Actually, they added this one. The the uh, there used to be just one signing day, but they added this one, which I thought was a really good thing for a lot of the Group of Five and smaller schools because they could lock dudes in, get them to sign the letter, and then they couldn't be stolen away later after the original signing day. But now, what's happened because of the transfer portal? We essentially have three recruiting periods. The third one comes when spring football. Is around and depth charts come out, and players look around and are like, Oh boy, yeah, there's a lot of new players here. You know, maybe a new coaching staff, new position coach. I've lost my place, so there's three waves. You sent over a question Is National Signing Day going to be wild for UNLV? Your thoughts?
1: And I said to kind of tongue in cheek, to be honest okay. with you, Steve, okay. because of the fact that what is signing day anymore? Yeah. Uh, it, it, National Signing Day used to be you're signing a guy for three or four years. Now it's essentially everybody's on their one-year contract, right? If that. So for UNLV, I think it's doubly interesting because of the coaching change that now, okay, well, do we get some sense of, of what people think of the UNLV coaching staff by this? Because I don't think we do. Yeah. I, I It used to be, oh, what's the excitement around a new staff? Well, I don't know if you know that until you see what happens in the transfer portal. I don't know if you know that until you see who's willing to come from another school with a little bit of stock, because now you have guys who essentially have no stock, right? I don't even know how much I care what the opinion of a top recruit is coming into a program, because if I'm a top recruit right now and I'm looking at schools for National Signing Day, top recruit coming out of high school, that is, I want to go someplace that I know isn't that great, because I want to go someplace where I, I know I've got a chance to play. Yeah. Because we've heard from coaches, we heard from Barrett Peary on the basketball side, when we talked to him about if you're not playing a guy year one, he's leaving. And I think it probably goes for football on a smaller scale than it does for basketball, but it's the same thing. So I don't really care about national signing. They nearly the same way I used to. Does that mean that the bigger schools, though,
2: the the powers of the Power Five, have put any less significance on it? Because I... I think it's still as big as it ever was, but in a way, it's almost kind of flawed. Like, you want to get some top guys, but I don't know if all coaches are completely devastated if they have to augment a lot with guys who have already tested out, kind of shown their mettle, got rid of the mistakes, either made it or didn't make it at the lower level, and then you start handpicking from the lower level, right, from group of five or even, you know, JUCOs or even lower than that.
1: Without question, and it goes even farther than that. At this point, when you're talking about, let's say you want to recruit, I don't know, four deep at the quarterback position, right? You And you're Alabama, you're Georgia, and you can bring in anybody you want. Well, at this point, when you're talking about that third and fourth guy, are, are you talking about them because you think they're going to be in the program three years from now? Hmm. Or are you talking about them because you want to keep them away from another school? Right. You just want at least year one that that kid doesn't show up at Arkansas and cause you a problem because someone could look at Arkansas and say, oh, they don't have anybody this year, and it doesn't look like they got anybody in the portal yet. And so I wonder how that trickles down to where we are right now. Who was it? Was it UTSA's coach who was out there uh, this week on social saying he wants to report Power 5 coaches for poaching his kids?
2: Jeff Trailer said, dear uh, dear NCAA football, how does uh, UTSA report Power 5 schools? We're trying to poach our young talent. How much evidence do we really need to make this not be part of our game? And uh, Pat Narduzzi, who's kind of a snake, Because on one hand, he'll piss and moan. He's the Pittsburgh coach. He'll piss and moan about his best receiver, Jordan Addison, going to USC and Lincoln Riley and then outright accuse them of something dirty. Um, He reaches down to grab guys all the time. In fact, he stole UNLV's quarterback recruit, Ty Diefenbach, out of California. I don't know if he did it in a dirty fashion. I don't know if he contacted him a a week out, frankly. All it was was a verbal, so he probably did nothing wrong, but... um, he actually, he sent out today, this is, this is great, he, or he, he was in an interview, I think on the Pittsburgh radio station, i got to look this up, it uh, uh, might be the, the Odyssey station in Pittsburgh with uh, some kid, Filippone, and he said in the interview that he knows of two $5 million offers that have been made to Drake May of North Carolina, but he won't say who it is, but he knows who it is. What are we doing? Trailer, trailers one thing. And and Washington State's coach uh, Dickert, he did the same thing about five days ago saying, hey, this is out of control. We heard the story last year, and I think it was in the the end, um, a story about Utah and Dalton Kincaid. There was a story around Utah tight end that Alabama had offered. Now, this wasn't put out officially, but that was kind of the rumor mill that uh, Bama had offered a million dollars for their tight end. Um, This is where we are now. This is where we are now. I don't know how they get it under control. It appears that the NCAA would like to attack this and make sure legally they're gonna take care of business because the new NCAA president has a deep legal background, but it's where we are right now. And you know, the funny thing with this, Candy, the transfer portal is new, but paying kids either money or perks to ungodly levels has been going on for probably 60-plus years. It just didn't get out publicly. So isn't this just another way of cheating the way that Bear Bryant or Joe Paterno or in the case of Texas A&M sending or delivering Eric Dickerson? Was it a gold Trans Am to which Dickerson said, I like this Trans Am. You know what I'm going to do, Texas A&M? I'm going to SMU, but I'm going to keep the Trans Am. How about that? So can can we stop acting like this stuff hadn't been going on in a different form?
1: Of course not, because no one is more sanctimonious or high on their hog than college coaches are. Football, basketball, doesn't matter. Does not matter in the slightest. What we see is these guys are no longer getting their cut. They're no longer in control of -hmm. the process. It used to be that they were the middleman. They were the distributorship to make sure you got the beer you like from out of state put on the shelves at your store. They were the one that had to be the one to direct it. Well, guess what? They're not anymore. They're not in control. So the guy down the street at the car dealership, he's the one in control now. And the coaches can't stand it. And you know what? If you wanted something better, you had decades to put something better in for yourself, the Wild West is a response to you being restrictive for all those years.
0: The big day is this Friday. Cofield and Company's Festivus. Compile your list of complaints now.
3: Buffalo wins the left circle draw, score! From the left point,
0: the drive from Lawrence Pilot got through, it's his first goal. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. All right,
2: let's get into the Golden Knights together. and playing at home. This is something we addressed with Darren Millard Home versus road. We uh, talked to him at the end of the week last week. He's nice enough to join us on his regular Tuesday this week, holiday week. You hear some Hanukkah music coming in. we got Christmas on the way. Festivus on Friday. It's candy. It's Cofield. Darren Millard is up. Hey, Darren. What's happening, fellas? A whole lot. A whole lot. So yeah. give us the – you know, I asked you uh, – we started out last week's spot with, hey, the narrative of the game the uh, the day before. I think it was. And All right. Give me the uh, headline for the game against the Sabres. Well, they
3: did what they were supposed to do. They scored uh, on the power play, and they were able to generate a lot of chances. They were much tidier with the puck. They just uh, had very little luck getting it through. Uh, a lot of credit to Uka uh who came up with some saves. Uh, I, I don't think he could do that again. Uh, he, he's been good, but he's he's not that good, not not yet. And uh, the the Golden Knights, they they had. Nothing as far as good bounces around the net. I mean, William Carlson has a wide open net as Pekka Lukanen is diving back and it, and it goes wide left. Uh, uh, they had a post, uh, they had uh, uh, an opportunity to, to slide a puck in or a wrap around and it went just wide. Uh, I, I thought last night, quite honestly, was one of their best home performances of the year with five breakaways and a penalty shot and more than 40 shots and only gave up 18. Uh, I, I was really impressed with everything outside of the scoreboard, and a couple of blunders that ended up in their in their net in the second period. A couple of giveaways that uh, just seem to be costing them almost every time they they make that mistake. Right now,
1: it was in the third period where VGK truly looked dominant. And we know that Bruce Cassidy really shortened up the bench uh, in that third period. And it kind of, to me goes to this idea where when the golden Knights have the injuries they do, and it's a kind of star laden roster, um, it's either those guys are playing and they're playing great, or then Bruce Cassidy really has to lean on, on whoever is left here. So uh, what do you take out of the fact that, that Bruce Cassidy went to such a short bench in the third period last night?
3: Uh, now I'm not related to any of the players who got shortened, so uh, I want to make that uh, I want to make that clear right now. Uh, I, I I liked it, and that's that's not a a shot against them. I love that the in game thirty five of the regular season, uh, and it wasn't that, but uh, it's close. Uh, that, that a coach. Gets right down to it and and tries to win that hockey game. Like it shows a measure of intensity in trying to turn things around at home that you're willing to go down to basically two and a half lines last night and go down to four defensemen last night and try to push for that victory. Uh, I think uh, too often you can say it's a long schedule and it's a marathon and it's not a sprint and. Uh, we'll we'll see uh, what happens uh, with with three lines or uh, eleven forwards. In that case, uh, in, in some cases, but but last night he he went down like a playoff push in in a in a playoff game where you, you where you just ride all your horses and and I I, I appreciated it.
1: Okay, hey, and. One of the players who really was playing well last night, in fact, his whole line was, was Jonathan Marchessault, and the Misfit line looked great. And and I have a theory for you. The numbers don't necessarily back up this theory, but I want to know what you, as a former goaltender, think of this. Jonathan Marchessault got a penalty shot as he was hauled down going in by Akposo last night. But we see all the time that in the shootout, it is very difficult to score on NHL goaltenders. Yeah. Would you prefer to have the power play... Versus the penalty shot.
3: Yeah, I, I thought of this over the uh, course of my time around the game, and it uh, there's no clear cut answer, and on on this because it depends on who's in your power play and where your power play is at that particular time. There was a, a point earlier this year where you would take that penalty shot all day long if you were the Golden of but in December it's rolling. And last night, uh, and while they hadn't scored uh, yet, uh, the power play was dominant uh, and, and moving the puck around. So uh, I probably last night would have taken the man advantage opportunity, but marshall has been proven to be one of your better shootout guys. So it's, it's probably a flip of the coin, and you get a one-on-one with the goaltender. That's a tough one to, to, to really pass by. Now uh, I'll just I'll just add on to to your suggestion uh, I would like to be able to in a penalty shot of any kind be able to pick my shooter now the, the guy that, that that draws the penalty shot he'll be he'll be really upset with me when I go to somebody else and he, he's got an opportunity for a, for a penalty shot but uh, but I would like to be able to do that and I may have taken Mara so anyway uh, last night. Uh, it did look like he got himself crossed up on it, like he's a shooter. Uh, we, we've seen it in the shootout this year, and then he made the move, and uh, uh was, was able to stay with him, and it ended up being uh, a not very dangerous opportunity from the side of the net. But uh, uh, to, to go full circle, uh, I probably last night, with the effectiveness of how the power play was moving around, would have leaned towards that, but it would have been a tough call to pass up a breakaway.
1: So, Darren, then you've made clear that you are perfectly willing to upset your third and fourth liners by not giving them ice time in a third period where we need to win. You've also made clear that just because you created the opportunity to get a penalty shot does not mean that in Darren Millard's perfect hockey world that you get to take that penalty shot exactly so are you basically saying that you're going to be a coach for like one year
3: uh probably I, I maybe seven games
1: okay yeah i have a feeling there's gonna be a mutiny and, and they're all going to rise up against you
3: but i i, I want to win uh, i want to be able to uh to, to push the envelope uh, a little bit and uh they, can somebody really look me in the eye and say if it was and and is a bad example because he's one of your top six forwards and uh, he's second on the team in, in goal scoring. But if you're a third or fourth line winger, uh, gets an opportunity for a penalty shot, are you really going to argue with me when I put the, the best guy in the team in the shootout in, in, in that penalty shot situation? That, that's uh, I, I, I challenge anybody to come at me on that one. Now, shortening the bench, that's a different story. Guys want their ice time. Guys, they all feel that they're on the verge of, of, of helping the team but again that's another situation where I, I'm not benching the first line because the third line has to be going last night I'm benching the third line because the top two lines are going and uh, uh, that that's uh, putting your eggs in one basket but it's a pretty good looking basket
1: it is it, it, it is quite a fine basket and yeah. uh, if you know it, again, it's got if that, that
3: padding yeah. in there so the eggs don't break oh and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's got, got the has got some artwork on the it's side. Got the
1: pastels. Got the yes. pastels like a lovely pastels Easter basket. Perfect. Yes, it's a past it's a pastel Easter basket that for me would be known as Shea Theodore because that's who I'd like to be able to just. I, pay, you ever heard that before, Shea Theodore pastel Easter basket? Uh, he's who I want taking that penalty shot. Yeah,
3: uh, I, I, I would take him. I would take Paul Cotter uh, in, in in a penalty shot situation. Uh, because of his ability in the shootout. I like Nick Wa in the shootout. Uh again so scored uh, by taking the shot earlier this year on the shootout. This is this is a team that last year goes really stake bet in the shootout. But when you go down the list, there's there's a pretty good complement of players uh, that uh, that have that uh, ability to finish on that. The last night was weird. Like there's five breakaways and a penalty shot in one game and all for one team, and, and you don't win that game, that's a, that's a fluke more than it is a, a continuation of the trend of poor home ice play.
2: Darren Millard with his co fielding company, of course part of the VGK Insider Show over on Fox Sports Las Vegas and with AT&T Sports Night. All right, what do we expect next couple of games? Uh, the home cooking is supposed to be good, uh, especially in the holidays, so what do we expect against the uh, Yotes?
3: Uh, I expect them to win. They, they. I mean, this is this is a team that can goal you in Vimelka, if if he plays. He he's a good goaltender, but uh, they, they they work hard, but they don't have a lot. So this is this is the green light special. Like last night, uh, last night was a good opportunity, but Buffalo can score. That game didn't turn out anywhere near uh, what I thought it was going to be. Uh, because I thought it was going to be a little bit more high scoring. Tomorrow night, I-, I could see Vegas putting up a performance like they did earlier this year against Anaheim, where they didn't give up anything and one handily. Uh, I could see that because I- last night I thought was a real good turning point towards uh, some solid play uh, in-, in that game. Like the end of a slump, you'll see teams playing better uh, at the end of a streak. You'll see teams getting away from some stuff. I thought last night was a was a step in the positive direction.
1: So, so Darren, uh, did we miss on the opportunity last night with Jack Eichel not playing for some good salty Jack Eichel quotes uh, versus Buffalo? Because I've come to have ex- come to really enjoy those.
3: Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, yeah. I, I like Jack's saltiness. I, I, I like yeah. Jack uh, voicing his uh, his opinion. Uh, I think that's best for, for all of us, uh, being able to see and and hear Jack Eichel offer that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a missed opportunity uh, for sure. And uh, uh, on the ice with a look at the crowd, everything about Jack uh, against Buffalo is personal, and uh, it softened a little bit. But uh, but yeah, there's there's that. Uh, um, like the ninth time he plays against Buffalo, it's not going to be the same as, <laughs> as what last night. Could have been
2: Darren. Have a good holiday. We'll track you down next week. You got anything special planned?
3: Uh, Just waiting for my call next week. I'll be sitting on the street. That's it. That's the gift.
2: That's your butt. butt. What is going on? Ho, ho, ho. Oh, no. That was a great line. All right, Darren. We appreciate it, buddy. See See you, boys. Wow, he didn't wish us a happy holiday back. What's going on there? A lot of heat. A lot of heat between uh, Darren and really the world, as we found out. Uh, A guy who's very, very bitter.